Welcome, one and all, men, women, and children of all ages. My name is Corey, although maybe I'm just kind of kidding about the children of all ages, because occasionally you'll hear things on here that young children uh, could completely not uh, understand, and it would probably affect them adversely throughout their development. So, (laughs) men, women, and children, you know, above the age of, uh, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 or something like that. I don't know. My name's Corey. I do this podcast. Thank you for listening. Now, I, I, I'm feeling really, really weird about the podcast this week. Um, and it's about actually recording the podcast here and the situation I'm in. Because the Midnight Corey World Headquarters uh, has been completely switched around and renovated. And uh, yeah, so I am recording in a whole new spot, in a whole new room, uh, with things all around me. I am surrounded by technology uh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is crazy. So, uh, my microphone, I'm using the same microphone, but it's in a different position. I have it in a different spot. I'm in a different chair. I'm looking at a different computer. Ah, oh, wow, wow. So, we'll see how this goes. I don't know. I can't promise you anything. Well, if you're listening to this, then you probably know my website, midnightcory.com. Uh, I think you ought to go there because I post all kinds of things up, especially things like updates about my movie. Oh, yes, yes. Things have slowed a bit uh, in the production of my movie because, well, of course, uh, once more, waiting for the beard to get longer. So that's kind of delaying things. But I've also been taking my time with some effects. I've started trying to shoot some shots for the gore scenes. And uh, I've never done this before, as I say. And uh, I'm just experimenting. I'm discovering new things. I'm learning constantly. Some things I did the past couple weeks here with special effects and gore and everything that I'm really happy with. And other things that kind of suck. And that's just because I don't know what I'm doing. So this is all new to me, but I'll be posting another video update here shortly. So that's on YouTube. Uh, My YouTube channel has all kinds of great stuff on it. Um, And I also, like I said, post this to my website, MidnightCorey.com. Something else to check out is The Zombie Mob. That is the group discussion of zombie movies with uh, McPierce, Tom Burdinsky, Keith Latch. Um, And the episode was just posted within the past week here. So go to TheZombieMob.blogspot.com. And that's where you can find that. So episode one is posted, and hopefully uh, we'll be doing things on a regular basis. Not everybody is going to be in every episode. I'm probably, you know, not going to be in a lot of them. But, uh, hey, it's going to be some great discussion. So, yeah. And we will review movies and discuss movies better than Zombie Lake. But, uh, yeah, so Zombie Lake's the first one. But go check it out. Uh, All right. All right. I think I need more coffee. A little empty here. Just uh, sipping the last drops that are now cold. Ah, oh, that's disappointing. But anyhow, uh, all right, what else? Uh, let's see. Uh, movie reviews this week. Uh, talking about movies, I'm going to do one review of this brand new movie. Well, it's, it's sort of new, but it was just released in the UK this past week by 4Digital Media. I told you about it last week, and I'll be doing my review of it 
It's called Meat Grinder. It's from Thailand, originally released in 2009, but now on DVD for your viewing pleasure. So what did I think of that? You'll just have to wait and see. I bet you you're chomping at the bit, so yeah. Uh, the other movie I'm talking about is Revenge of the Zombies, a movie that came out in 1943, which is the same movie, or the same year, yeah, same movie. Well, it's basically the same movie as King of the Zombies, to be honest with you. But it came out the same year as I Walked with a Zombie, which is actually a spectacular zombie movie, and uh, one that we'll, we'll be covering soon here, uh, but uh, not quite yet. Revenge of the Zombies, that's what you get today. My friend Brian in Colorado does the review of beers. I almost said the beer review, and that would just be wrong. Does the review of beers today. I got you a couple voicemails that are going to put a smile on your face. And there is more original music. Yes, it is another cover this week. Actually, technically, it's a cover of a cover. So, <laughs> I'll tell you all about that. I'll, I'll talk about that later, but it's weird. Oh, man. So what's going on in the zombie world? Well, <clears throat> nothing really except more things, of course, about The Walking Dead TV show coming out. We got uh, the trailer officially hit the internet this week. But uh, even though most of us got to see the trailer as people filmed it, from Comic-Con this year. So, yeah. But uh, you can see the official one now. They've loaded it up online. You can go watch it. But that's really about it. Not a whole lot going on. <laughs> oh, I got good news about Ninjas vs. Zombies. You remember uh, Justin Tim Payne, the director, the guy that made Ninjas vs. Zombies. I, I talked about this all on uh, that other podcast there a long time ago. I reviewed the movie. It's a fantastic movie. It's a lot of fun. Well, uh, Justin emailed me this week and told me all about the DVD release, the official DVD release. Uh, it's now available on Amazon and uh, a lot of other places. And uh, there's something about an accompanying comic book coming along with it. So, yeah, yeah, you're going to want to check that out, but I'll uh, put up a link. That's at nvzmovie.com. And I got a couple links here from some friends around the interwebs. Yes, Johnny T. You know, Johnny T, great guy. Uh, he sent me a link this week to this awesome music video. Uh, he, the reason he sent it over is because it's been banned from TV in the UK. Of course, Johnny T is one of our friends from the UK. Uh, now, this music video is for a song called We Are Water by the band Health. And they're kind of this this really cool, actually, noise band. If you like noise kind of bands, like kind of in the vein of uh, Sonic Youth, things like that, then uh, you're going to like this band. But uh, the music video is something to behold. Let me tell you. You got to see this. Uh, he sent me the link. I'm going to put it up on the show notes at midnightcory.com for this here very episode. And you better go watch this. You'll be glad you did. So uh, thank you, Johnny T. You are a wonderful wonderful man for sending me this link. And speaking of wonderful, wonderful men, Mick Pierce from A Little Dead Podcast and also a colleague of mine in the zombie mob, he sent me a link this week to an article that's about this bakery in Bangkok. Now, the thing about this bakery is that the guy who runs it, whose name I'm going to attempt to pronounce and most likely mangle, his name is Kidiwat Unaram. Okay? This guy is a food artist, runs this bakery. He has spent countless hours creating shockingly realistic corpses and body parts out of bread. They are completely edible. 
And uh, now he's working on the flavor. And you gotta see these things. You gotta, I, I'm gonna go to this right now and just explain the horror that is set before you that is actually yummy, yummy bread. <laughs> oh, we got a cadaver, we got meat hooks with body parts hanging from them. And they're not just, you know, body parts that are kind of like, oh, that's a fake arm, oh, that's a fake head. No, these things look realistic. These things look like they have been chopped up and hacked and mangled and are rotting. Gangrene. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. I, I'm just, I, I'm speechless. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. You gotta see, <laughs> you gotta see this. I'm sorry. I, I just don't know what to say. Uh, yeah. So thank you, McPierce, for, uh, wow, just uh, opening my eyes to this. Um, I want to taste some of this. Although I don't know if it would make me sick wanting to eat it, but whatever. It's a, it's a huge hit. Uh, body parts in Bangkok made out of bread. And I'll be posting the link to this, so go check this out. You will not forget it. Praise the Lord, Jesus, in the name of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Amazing Grace. I want people to sing with me, too. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound
Amen. Thank you. Oh, so how's the old episode going for you guys so far? I, I think it's going well. I actually kind of like this new setup here. I, I'm thinking it's thrown me off a little bit. I, I'm not really knowing what I'm saying. I'm kind of in a, a, a spin right now, but uh, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's keep going. So yeah, what we're doing right now is the review of beers from Brian in Colorado. I want to return to a local brew pub tonight. Coopersmith's is a restaurant slash pub in Fort Collins, Colorado home to some of the greatest beers in the world. Coops, as it's known to the locals, serves grill and pub fare like bangers and mash and buffalo burgers. The food is good, but the beer is better. Pooter Pale is a light ale brewed with crystal and amber malt to give it a slight caramel flavor. The sweetness is offset by a dose of golden hops. You can catch a hint of orange rind in the aroma. The thin white head disappears quickly. The hops finish is mild enough to keep the brew drinkable. And that's the thing about Pooter Pale. This is one of the most drinkable ales I've ever had. It has a pleasant, buttery sort of flavor that satisfies glass after glass. That's the sort of beer that you can wash down hot wings with. The kind of beer that sneaks up on you. So just about the time you realize you have to go to the bathroom really, really bad, you stand up and the room shakes and quivers like a fat girl on a treadmill. And you look over and apologize to your wife because she's going to have to drive home again. And you're going to stay up all night long watching horror movies and howling at the moon while everyone else tries to catch a few hours of sleep before work the next morning. Pooter Pale was named after the Pooter River, a beautiful tumble-down river that originates in Rocky Mountain National Park, flowing east through the foothills, past Fort Collins, and into Greeley, where it feeds into the Platte River and becomes part of that smelly town's water supply. A certain beer reviewer lives within walking distance of the backside of the Pooter as it makes its mountain journey, far from the tubers, trout fishermen, rafters, and tourists that coat large stretches of the river. The Pooter is as pretty and wild as large rivers get here in the postmodern U.S. I know of at least half a dozen people who plan to have their ashes dumped in the river after they pass. For that reason alone, I'm glad that Coops only named the beer after the river rather than brewing with the water. That said, I'll rate this beer on the Midnight Cory scale. By the glass, Pooter Pale is a 6.5. By the many glasses, it's an 8 or 9. Brian in Colorado.
แล้วตอนนี้นายประวิทย์และพี่เลี้ยงเด็กที่ชื่ออ้อยอ่ะอยู่ที่ไหนเฮ้ยไอ้น้องว่าว่านะถ้าเราไม่มีหลักฐานก็ต้องปล่อยแม่งไปฮะโอ้แมน do I like gore you know that <laughs> well I I like seeing gore in film I like looking at the special effects I like seeing you know trying to figure out how they did it or did they use CG did they use practical whatever and uh, that is why I was really excited whenever I was sent Meat Grinder now this is a movie that originally came out in 2009 it's getting its DVD release or it has already had a DVD release in the UK by Four Digital Media. This is a movie from Thailand. This is a horror movie. Um, it's uh, it's a cannibal movie, basically. And here's what we got: we got this woman living in Thailand, and she starts up a noodle shop. Uh, this is a place where people come in. You know, it's like a little restaurant in her small place where she lives there. And this place really begins to boom. People love it. They always talk about how delicious the soup is. And well. What the customers don't necessarily realize is that the meat in the soup is actually human meat, and this lady running the shop has been killing people, putting their flesh in the meat grinder, and then cooking it up in the soup. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's the movie in a nutshell, right there. I'm I'm not going to tell you much more about it because there's a whole lot more to this movie than just that quick plot synopsis right there. There's actually quite a lot going on. There's a lot of backstory, and most of the film is from a very uh, kind of a distorted perspective. It's it's from the perspective of this woman's really warped sense of reality. Um, things aren't necessarily always as they seem. She's not necessarily seeing. What they're showing you that she is seeing, um, the, and the woman has undergone a severe amount of psychological trauma and emotional damage throughout these years of abuse that she's experienced ever since she was a little girl. And this movie very poetically and and almost artfully uh, weaves that in to the whole thing, and you're really questioning what is going on here, what is reality. And unfortunately, I mean that's what this woman is experiencing too. So they did a great job making that connection. Uh, like I said, this is exceedingly gory. I mean, with a title like Meat Grinder and with the pictures that they showed me in the press kit here, oh boy, oh boy, the gore abounds. The very first scene in the film is a woman sitting in this dark room, just hacking up a body with a meat cleaver and putting it in the old meat grinder. Oh man, and one of the scenes, I mean there are a lot of scenes in this movie that make me cringe. 
They're very painful and uncomfortable to watch. Um, but uh, the one that I remember the most that sticks out the most is the one where the woman nails a man's hand to the floor and she pounds a nail through each of his fingernails and you see it up close. It looks fantastic. You know, the movie is packed with intense violence just like this. It's very, very brutal. And I got to say, the effects are pure mastery. They use CG a couple times and I, I could pick up on it because I was watching for it. Again, you know, that's just something that's kind of automatic for me. I, I want to know how they did these effects. And, uh, you know, I, I picked up on a few CG things, but it was not blatant. It was not prominent. I, they did it very tastefully to kind of accent a lot of uh, practically what was going on. And that's the thing. They relied 99% on practical effects here. And there are a lot of them. Um, you know, lots and lots of blood. I mean, I, I would love to know how much fake blood they used in this movie. Because it had to be a ton. They had to spend a fortune on it. <laughs> But it brings me to talk about kind of how puzzling it is to me that uh, they've really uh, pushed that this movie is a, quote, proud member of the torture porn subgenre, end quote. Um, and I got a few words about that. You know, while this movie is exceedingly gory, it has a lot more to offer than just tons of gore. That's the whole thing I have with torture porn here. Now, in popular culture... Uh, torture porn is a term that has come to refer to those movies that uh, are exceedingly gory with very little uh, redeeming quality, with, you know, not that much story behind them. It's basically torture and violence, brutal violence, for its own sake. Um, but I've always had an issue with that term. I've always had an issue with torture porn because... To be honest with you, you guys don't really know, well, not necessarily you guys, but I'm talking in general, people don't really know what torture porn is. <laughs> I mean, if you were to watch real torture porn, you would not want to watch real torture porn. <laughs> Just the fact that it has the word porn in it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that should get you to thinking right there. It is, it's sexually driven, it's pornographic, it's uh, that kind of thing with violence, intense violence worked in. It's not movies like this, it's not movies like Hatchet or uh, Saw or anything like that. No, no. It's not anything near what real torture porn is. And that's why I have a, a problem with it, this term. And I think it's, it's a marketing thing. Uh, it's really cashing in, I think, and focusing, targeting our society's obsession with pornography, which it's, it's rampant. And uh, it's also, again, it's a marketing thing. It's a catchphrase. It's something that is designed to sell movies. And that's exactly what it's doing. Uh, it's just another category here. They call it a subgenre here in the press kit. And uh, I, I disagree. I think it's just uh, really a stupid term. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That being said, I loved this movie. Extremely gory. The story keeps you guessing. Reality is shifting before your very eyes. And you're just trying to figure out why this woman is doing the things that she's doing. And you will find out. It does weave the story very well. I found it very captivating. The movie went by very quickly for me. It's, it's your standard 90-minute movie. But man, this thing flew by and I wanted more. I'm like, where did the time go? This is great. I wanted it to keep going. So yeah, I'm going to give Meat Grinder from 2009 a 9 out of 10. 
I am prepared to supply my country with a new army, numbering as many thousands as are required. A new army? An army that will not need to be fed, that cannot be stopped by bullets, that is, in fact, invincible. Sounds impossible. An army of robots or automatons? An army of the living dead. Well, last week, we talked about King of the Zombies, 1941. And this week, I bring you its sequel, Revenge of the Zombies, 1943. Was a good year for zombie movies, but not necessarily a good year for this particular movie. <laughs> uh, directed by Steve Seckley, and actually one of the guys who helped write King of the Zombies also helped write this one. Like I said, this is the sequel to King of the Zombies, being that King actually found a certain amount of success, which was a big surprise to everybody. But uh, Revenge of the Zombies, it's not one of those sequels that has anything to do with the original at all. <laughs> it's pretty much its own film. Uh, the thing about it is, it's basically the exact same thing as King of the Zombies. They just changed a few things. <laughs> Uh, it, this one stars David Carradine. Very big name. Uh, not that he really holds a candle to Karloff or Lugosi. Uh, honestly, I was extremely underwhelmed by Mr. Carradine's performance here. And really, that's kind of what characterized the whole movie for me, just because it was the same thing as I've already been watching time and time again. You know, we also see the return of Manton Moreland, who played the bumbling black servant guy in King of the Zombies, and he was the real over-the-top comedic relief. And uh, he's back. And he plays the exact same role that he did. <laughs> same guy. Well, David Carradine uh, plays Dr. Max Heinrich von Altermann, who is this uh, Nazi guy bent on creating his own army of the living dead for his country. Or Germany. And so when it's reported that his wife has suddenly died under very mysterious circumstances, her brother and this other guy comes to investigate and they bring along their bumbling black driver, Manton Moreland, who plays Jeff, I think his name is. Um, so this doctor lives in a big spooky mansion on some Caribbean island. They don't even bother to say, I don't think. Uh, the doctor tries to keep the fact that he has all these zombie servants kind of a secret. But eventually, of course, he's found out because the zombies just kind of creep around the mansion the whole time and attack people. Um, his zombified wife uh, actually has retained enough of her own will to rebel against his control. And she leads the other zombies to overtake him. And so that's pretty much that. There you go. That's the movie. Um... One thing I do have to say about this is they are, in fact, the living dead. These are dead corpses brought back to life, um, as opposed to live corpses. I don't, I don't know why I said that. But uh, anyhow, they do come out of their crypts. They come out of the graveyard. That's pretty cool. That's actually the very first thing that you see in this movie, or, uh, you know, this guy coming out on a stormy night and uh, doing this howl kind of thing that raises the dead and sends them to uh, their master to do stuff. They put them to work, they're doing things with shovels and picks and everything like that. They're also guarding places, they're kind of keeping watch over things. Yeah, yeah, so it's this whole zombie army, and um, the thing about Revenge of the Zombies, as opposed to King of the Zombies, was that uh, Revenge had much more of a World War II influence. 
Uh, we're talking about Germany. We're talking about Nazis. We're talking about creating a, a master race, a master army here. Um, it doesn't have nearly as much to do with whites and blacks, kind of as King of the Zombies really did. Although we have Manton Morlin uh, doing the whole, you know, goofy black servant kind of thing. And they make him stay outside with the car. He's not allowed to come in the mansion with the white people. You know, things like that. So it's there a little bit, but not. it's not nearly as heavy as it was in King of the Zombies. It's much more about the war. It's much more about Nazis, things like that. We got the zombies here, and although they look gaunt, they look very distant, as zombies tended to be, they're far from scary. In fact, the zombified wife just looks like the wife that's just staring off into space. Um, and it's, it's almost comedic, unintentionally comedic, how the zombies fall into step with each other and as they march to their master to take their orders. And just how darn slow they are. You know, it's almost kind of funny. Because the doctor, or their master, whoever, will give the zombies an order. And it'll take them like 10 minutes just to get to the door. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, it's almost funny. Of course, there is comedic relief, the black guy, things like that. But it, it's far from scary. So yeah, this movie wasn't great. You know, you, I've seen it all before. It was just a sequel to cash in on the success of King of the Zombies. And King of the Zombies was a cash-in on the success of earlier zombie movies like we've seen. So it's just a big cycle of, of, of weird here, really. But I got to give this props. You know, I'm not going to give this a real great rating, but I do have to give it credit for holding a place in zombie history, whether it intended it or not. And I don't think it did. But this is actually the very first Nazi zombie movie. This is a movie about a Nazi creating his own race of zombies. So, it's technically influenced movies such as Shockwaves and our beloved Zombie Lake and also our beloved Oasis of the Zombies. So yeah, a lot of Nazi zombie movies have been shown here throughout uh, the decades of the existence of the zombie movie, and this is the one that technically started them all. So, yeah, how about that? So, like I said, the rating isn't going to be good. Originally, I was going to give it a four, but once I realized that uh, it was the first Nazi zombie movie, well, I had to give it another point for that. I mean, it holds a place in the history books. So, yeah, five out of ten is what I'm going to give Revenge of the Zombies. You can watch it on YouTube, but I couldn't find it any place else. Hey, Corey, it's Spooky Bill here. Um, just listening to episode 13. For some reason, iTunes didn't want to download episodes uh, 10 and I know, 11 and 12. So here I am thinking that uh, you'd stop doing it, doing the podcast. I thought maybe you know, all the haters got you down or, or your movie was taking over all your time. Um, anyway, those, those video blogs are great. Um, so I'm listening to the 13. I downloaded directly... Uh, I actually had to go and click on it. was on iTunes. Whatever. I downloaded 11 and 12, so I'll be listening to those inversely. Uh, 14's about ready to be out, so I'll be listening to that. And uh, I just wanted to say, I was in Omaha this past week. I went to this, uh, this Chinese place, Japanese place, and I had this beer that was absolutely fantastic. I like my beers darker. I, whoops, I pushed the wrong button. I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a, a beer, I guess, connoisseur. I like, you know, I like Sam Adams. That's pretty much my standard, what I get. But this weekend I got something. I said, I want something dark. I like some darker beers sometimes. And, uh, you know, Guinness, I like 
Um, not all the time. So anyway, I asked for something dark, and it was Iron Chef Morimoto's. Uh, it was a black Sobe ale. Huge bottle, um, but oh my God, it was so good. It didn't have that bitter that bitter aftertaste that a lot of dark beers have, um, went down really smooth. And, uh, if I wasn't, you know, it was, if it was under different circumstances, I probably would have had a few more, but, uh, yeah, it was really good. I might, my beer review isn't as good as, as Brian's or yours or anything, but if uh, you like dark beers, um, God, I, I highly suggest Morimoto black Sobe ale. It's really good. I wish I could find it here. Okay. This is though. Hey, Corey, Spooky Bill here. Hey, I got caught up on the show just in time, too, because I think you're recording or uh, releasing another one today. So, uh, yay for me. Um, oh, wait, no, what is today? Today's Thursday. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Um, you never fail to amaze me, man, I swear. I don't know where you find all the time in a day to do everything that you do. You record the podcast, you're making a movie, you're watching these movies to review, you're writing original music, you're still getting on Twitter to piss off all those people that are easily pissed off, and I don't know, where the hell do you pull all this time out of the day? I'd really like to know. Last week, well, it's been about two weeks, I recorded two episodes of my thing. And uh, one thing, an intro for Last Man on Earth for somebody else, which you should really cover in your uh, walk through history, uh, zombie history, because, uh, well, obviously, it's a movie that inspired uh, Romero, or the story at least, and uh, you can see it in the movie, definitely. Anyway, that, um, and just those three things, I've had to, I had to like cut back Twitter. My wife's kind of mad because I didn't do laundry or fold the laundry, I should say. Um, you know, God, I spent all day doing stupid stuff on the on the computer, and then I got no time for anything else. So uh, I don't know, man. More power to you, and uh, I'm glad I'm caught up, and can't wait for the next show. Later. Well, Spooky Bill, actually, that was uh, two messages from him, and uh, dude, I I love hearing from you. Thank you for the nice words about everything, and thank you for that beer review. Because actually, that reminded me how much I have enjoyed Asian beers myself. Uh, I was at a Japanese place called Hibachi um, here months ago. And uh, they had, I forget what kind of beer it was, but they had a whole selection of Japanese beers. And whichever one I picked, it was great. And uh, I've had uh, Asian beers in the past before, and I have never been disappointed with them. So they know how to make their beers. (laughs) Yeah, but they are kind of hard to find. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so fantastic. I'm definitely going to check that one out because I, I myself like darker beers also. Um, I don't go for the real thick stouts as often, you know, like the, the, the Guinness and things like that. But I do enjoy them from time to time. And uh, just to address your question, you know, where do I get all the time? You know, I, I really feel your pain about, you know, having things to do and doing podcasting and doing video stuff and all kinds of things. And then, you know, there are times when your wife feels cheated and there are times when other things in your life suffer because of that. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you my secret right here. I've never talked about this before, 
but uh, he- here's how I do it. Here's how I podcast, do the video, do the movie, do the uh, music, um, and I manage. I-, I write some things every once in a while. Here, here's here's how it all fits into my day, and I hold down uh, a lot of work. <laughs> I work a lot, so here's how I do it. First of all, uh, I cut down to two hours of sleep a night. Uh, Twenty-two hours a day are my productive hours, and two hours is all I need to physically function on a daily basis. The other thing is very heavy use of all the hard drugs that I can get my hands on. And uh, the, uh, the third element, the third part of this equation here that really makes things work is uh, a pact with the devil. So, yeah, Spooky Bill, you are awesome. Thanks for calling, man. Look at it this way. Think of how stupid the average person is, and then realize half of them are stupider than that. Oh, you know me. You know I like to be diverse. And so I'm bringing you a song this week. You know, I was just sitting around. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, what I'm going to record, what I'm going to try. And and lately, I've had this kind of writer's block with writing real original, original music. Um, And not musical writer's block. I love to write riffs and put songs together and things like that. So I have a lot of songs out there that are just instrumental. They don't have lyrics as of yet because I'm having a writer's block lyrically. You know, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm having a really hard time doing it. So anyhow, I'm, I'm bringing you more covers. And it just occurred to me this week, for some reason, it came to my mind that I really would really love to cover El Paso. <laughs> have you ever heard the song El Paso? It was originally recorded and released by a guy named Marty Robbins in 1959. And this guy was uh, a cowboy, <laughs> basically. He wrote cowboy music. And it's not like your hit country crap that you see today. No, this is real, real country music. So Marty Robbins was the guy that wrote this song and performed it originally, but I know this song best from the countless times that I've heard the Grateful Dead perform it. They did this song a lot. So many times they've done it live. You know, Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead, uh, he he loves his cowboy songs. And this is one of my favorites that he's done. Um, I love the the lyrics to this song. And I I love it's just a really, really cool song. It doesn't really have a chorus. It's just it's a great story. Um, So what I'm doing here, I'm actually covering The Grateful Dead covering Marty Robbins, because I've only heard Marty Robbins' version of it once or twice, and it really has not affected how I sing the song and how I perform the song. It's kind of my interpretation of the way that the Grateful Dead has done El Paso. And if you know anything about the Grateful Dead, you'll know that uh, every time they performed a song live, they never really performed it the same way that they performed it before. This is just a really, really interesting kind of way that the song has come to me. So here's something about this song. It's very unique. It's the first time I've ever done this. Now you know that my goal in podcasting, my goal in making music, my goal in making a movie is to hit the big time, baby, to make the cash money, to make the millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, podcasting is the way to internet millions. Y'all know that. I mean, come on. You know, all you got to do is stay loose and stay safe. And, man, the money will just come rolling in. Anyhow, in my quest to really hit the big time with the music, to really get MTV and and the, the hip kids of these days to notice me as a really cool pop artist, 
then I have to start using autotune with my voice. If you don't know what autotune is, just turn on the radio to any top 40 station, uh, listen to some hip hop, uh, especially songs, and this is sad that I know some of this, but songs by Usher, I guess. And I know this through my wife, she listens to this crap. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of hip hop artists out there who uh, have decided to use autotune because frankly, their voices aren't very good. <laughs> and so they use this electronic manipulation of the audio signal to correct the pitch of their voice. And uh, basically you work with this filter to tell it well, what key you should be in. And then as you're singing it, it uh, adjusts your notes for you. So when I ran autotune on my voice, when I sang El Paso, yeah, some very, very interesting things happened. <laughs> and I decided it was so interesting that I was going to keep it intact in the song. So the lead vocal part in El Paso is auto-tuned, which it will be obvious. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I love it. I love it. So I figure this is the way that uh, I'm going to get noticed by the industry. And the next time you hear from me, I am going to be rolling in the money, baby. So here we go. Here is El Paso. <laughs> Justice. 
see the badlands of New Mexico Back in El Paso my life would be worthless Everything's gone in life, nothing is left It's been so long since I've seen the young maiden My love is stronger than my fear of death I settled up and away I did go It's time for the end of the podcast. Here we go. I'm going to run my mouth for a few more minutes, and then uh, that'll be it. I'm going to go do something else other than a podcast. Well, let me tell you what we're doing next week. Marching forward in zombie history by actually going back a year. <laughs> yeah, this year, we were in, or this week, we were in 1943. I'm um, going back a year to 1942 because we are beginning Lugosi's return to the zombie movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I'll be talking about two of them next week. I'll be telling you about Bowery at Midnight from 1942, then we'll jump up to 1944 and talk about another Lugosi movie called Voodoo Man. Woohoo! And let me tell you, these are both available for your viewing pleasure for free at archive.org. So go look up Bowery at Midnight from 1942 and Voodoo Man from 1944, and you'll be able to watch them and uh, know what I'm talking about next week. So, yeah, how about that? Or don't watch them at all, because I have a feeling they're going to suck. Uh... <laughs> 
But I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I'm going to watch them, and then we'll see. So all kinds of exciting things coming up. Uh, there are going to be more people showing up on the show here, doing some interviews in the next couple of weeks that are really just going to blow you away, and you're going to love them. Because I figure, you know, as I've always said, that uh, the less I speak, the better. And when other people are speaking, then I am not speaking. So that's a good thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the people I'm going to have on are wonderful, wonderful people. So yeah, yeah, that's coming up. Um, you know, this week, uh, well, on the last show, I told you that I will be starting to talk about a couple different themes, Hunter S. Thompson being one of them, and Frank Henenlotter being another one. And I watched Basket Case this week, and I was going to start my whole string of, of Henenlotter reviews, but I might have a whole episode just about Frank Henenlotter, and it may be a special episode. I'm still trying to decide that. If I should maybe do something kind of outside of the normal flow of the weekly thing, give you a big old special episode about Henenlotter. And, uh, I don't know, maybe bring some people onto the show with me to talk about these movies that maybe uh, know a bit more than I do. And there are a lot of them out there. A lot of people know a lot more than I do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm still trying to figure that out, but that is still going to happen. I'm just, you know, like I said, figuring out how it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, so go to MidnightCorey.com to experience all the goodness there. Call the voicemail of death at 814 806 2828. Um, yeah, that's it. Follow me on Twitter. Haven't had anything dramatic going on on Twitter lately, which is a good thing. So yeah, follow me. That's twitter.com slash Midnight Corey. Uh, I'm on Facebook somewhere, but I'm under a weird name, so you probably won't find me. But, you know, hey, what can you do? Uh, yeah. So thank you for listening. Next week is a new week, and it will be, uh, yeah, a, a, another week. Uh, I'm just going to shut up. Prior to the disappointment, I was able to make good use of the surge from desire. Every time our eyes locked, I held the gaze. You couldn't look away while my teeth moist and dreams of sinking from the flesh that loosely straps you together. I want to untie you. Devour blood and coagulate burdened brave throat that keeps me living. You seem nice and all, but there's something animal to override this ridiculous wretched resistance. You won't survive beyond, but seem optimistic. Being aware of the end is no excuse to hold out for hope's logistic. I want to steal your security and hold you under me. Hair gripped in, fist grunting, eyes rolled back, spiraling deep down our well. We feel the unstoppable intense truths of eternal allegiance. Even